You know, it was 152 years ago to the day, April 21st, 1867, when the FBG church family celebrated its very first Easter Sunday together. They did it in a little bitty school 152 years ago with, I'm sure, a few more than the original 13 members who started FBG just a few months before in October of 1866. And now look at us, 152 years later. It's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. By, by the way, in 1867, William Cadbury was born. Have you had your Cadbury eggs for Easter yet? You can blame that guy. For that issue in your life, yeah, 1867. It's, it's been an amazing journey, 152 years, and here we are essentially at the beginning of the next 50 years. You think back to 1867, they were meeting in a little school. It wouldn't be until 1880 before they were meeting in their own building. Put that in perspective on the timeline of change in our history. It wasn't until 1879 that the light bulb was invented. So just a year later, they had their first building. For the next 50 years, FBG continued to grow, and they were given a little plot of land over on 10th and Main where they built their building there, and they began to grow and experience God's favor as they sought to reach others in the community for the glory of Jesus Christ. And about 50 years later, in the mid-1980s, they made a decision as a church family to buy a little piece of property way out west, 12 and a half acres, so that they could plant a facility right here where we sit. And they made a decision back in the mid-80s to become one church in two locations, and then in the early 1990s, all the way into the 2000s, God continued to bless in this place so that now we are today one church in two locations, Georgetown and a little bit further west, Liberty Hill. The reason is, is because 152 years ago, a people gathered together and believed that God had placed them right here in Williamson County to reach other people with the good news of a risen Savior. And we're a church family today that is carrying that same banner. We believe that we are to love God, love people, and help others do the same. We have every conviction, conviction that God has placed us right here where we live, right when we live, to be around people who need to find God so that they might make a decision to follow Him. And right here where we live, God has given us the opportunity to find Him and get to know Him. And as we get to know Him and decide to follow Him, He has placed us around all kinds of people that we can help find God and follow Him. That's why we're here. We believe we're supposed to reach people with the great news that Jesus is alive. You know, back in 1866, Texas had around 700,000 people living in it. You know how many people Williamson County has living in it today? 
almost the same amount as 150 years ago populated our whole state. Over 550,000 people are right here in Williamson County where we live, where we've been placed as a church family for the last 150 years. And we believe that this mission of helping others find God and follow Him is the mission for which we should leverage our lives. We should give everything to accomplish so that in the next 50 years... We would expand our influence and saturate Williamson County and beyond with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We believe this is the reason for which we exist. And we're excited to spread that news that Jesus is alive. Now Jesus began inviting people into that mission back when he had followers, the disciples, And he invited them into this mission to go out and help others find God and follow him. And he told his disciples, he said, this is not going to be the easy way. This is not the easy route. When you take up this mission and you decide to leverage everything you are and everything you have to help others find God and follow him, Jesus tells his disciples, it's going to be like me sending you out as sheep among wolves. He's saying it's not going to be easy. In fact, he tells his disciples that they could expect to find suffering, difficulty, even being arrested, and even possibly killed. He wants his followers to know this is not the easy way, but it is the way that is worth your life. You know, one of the obstacles that Jesus addressed as he offered that invitation to his followers to go and give their lives for the mission of spreading the news about the kingdom of God, one of the first obstacles that he addressed, significant obstacle, was fear. And Jesus says to his disciples that he did not want them to be afraid in the face of any and every obstacle to the mission. He knew that his disciples would encounter obstacles and that fear would creep up in their hearts and minds in the face of those obstacles. And Jesus did not want them to be afraid. We have a record of that conversation between Jesus and his followers because God knew that every one of us in light of the invitation to join the mission to spread the news of a risen Savior where we live to everyone around us, he knew that in the face of the decision to live on mission that we would likely come face to face with fear in our own lives. And I am grateful that we have this record in the Scripture to encourage us this morning to have no more fear. So let's look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 24. Jesus says, A disciple is not above his teacher or a slave above his master. It is enough for a disciple to become like his teacher and a slave to become like his master. If they called the head of the house Beelzebul, How much more the members of his household. The first thing Jesus says to his disciples related to the obstacle of fear is he says, I don't want you to have any surprises here. 
If you're going to decide to follow me, then you're going to become like me. If you're going to decide to serve me, then you're going to become like me. If you begin to move in your life towards what I'm calling you to do, if you begin to decide to orient your life and align who you are with what I'm asking you to do, guess what? You're going to become a lot like me. If you want to be my follower, you're going to become like me as your teacher. If you want to be my servant, you're going to become like me as your master. You will become like me, and if you become like like me because you're a part of my family then don't be surprised if they treat you the same way they treated me and he uses the term if they called the head of the household the head of the family Beelzebul that's a title that essentially meant we don't like you you're not one of us we got our guard up against you you're our enemy we despise you Jesus is saying, if they maligned the head of the family, don't think for one second they're not going to do the same thing to the members of the family. Now, one of the things I love about being a part of the family of God, the local church, is that Jesus Christ makes it very clear to his family what blessings and grace and favor and promises are given to his family Because of what he has done for the family and dying on the cross and rising again from the dead. He makes it very clear that being a part of his family is incredibly special. But Jesus, I'm grateful, does not hide the fact that when you decide to leverage your life for his mission because you're a part of his family, that it just might mean that it will be difficult. Jesus doesn't want us to be surprised. That if he was mistreated, this broken world in which we live just might mistreat us if we leverage our lives for the mission. Don't be surprised. It just might be difficult. In the face of that challenge, in the face of the obstacle of fear, Jesus says, do not be afraid. And he gives us some amazing reasons why we should not be afraid. Look again at the scripture here, verse 26. Therefore, don't be afraid of them, since there is nothing covered that won't be uncovered, and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. What you hear in a whisper, proclaim on the housetops. Jesus is conveying that there is something hidden that is going to be brought out into the open. Something that's concealed that will at one point be no longer concealed. What is Jesus talking about here? Well, he says that those who are following him are going to hear something in the dark, are going to hear a whisper in their ears. And whatever they're hearing when they're all alone, whatever they're hearing whispered in their ears, that's the thing they're supposed to proclaim to the, from the housetops and the mountaintops. Now, what exactly is it that Jesus is saying here? He's telling his disciples What has been hidden about God through your trust in me will now be revealed to you personally. 
You don't have to be afraid about what people say about you, what people say to you, what people do to hurt you. You don't have to be afraid of the things that are being said about you and to you that are unkind, that people that don't like your mission to spread the gospel. You don't have to be afraid of any of that because when you trust in me, then the Spirit of God is going to come and whisper in your ears what it means to know me so that you know me personally, so that you experience my word ringing out in your heart in such a way that you can then proclaim it as the greatest news you've ever heard to the world around which you live. Jesus wants us to realize that when we place our trust in him, we hear the most significant voice of all personally, the voice of God whispered in our ear. Do you know what the first thing God whispers in the ear of one who decides to follow him? You know what it is? You are loved and forgiven. God just whispers in our ears, everything you have done in secret for which you should feel ashamed is forgiven. Everything that you've done in the darkness of evil has been washed away. I have covered all your sins with my death for you, and you are forgiven. You don't have to hide. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to be afraid of something finding out something about you. I know everything about you, and I have paid the penalty for all your sin. And when you trusted in me, I leveraged all of heaven towards you to forgive you so that you might experience the favor of God forever. I love you, and you are forgiven. If you hear the whisper of God in your ear that every sin has been forgiven and that you are free, you are different. It changes the way you feel about every obstacle to proclaiming the mission. When God speaks who he is as a whisper in your ear, then you want to proclaim from the mountaintops in the face of any obstacle that Jesus is alive. You don't have to be afraid anymore. Jesus doesn't stop there. He keeps on going. It's amazing. Look at verse 28. Don't fear those who kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus is saying to his followers, don't be afraid of people who can arrest you. Don't be afraid of people who can harm you. Don't be afraid of even people who could kill you. Because none of those people who could come against you with harm and suffering and hardship, none of them can hurt you like I can hurt you. Happy Easter. He is telling them, if you think of all the things you are afraid of that could hurt you or destroy you, none of those things can destroy you like God. If you think somebody can wipe you out, nobody else that you've ever met can wipe you out like God can. What is Jesus saying? Is he, is he threatening his disciples? 
I, I really love what C.S. Lewis does in the Chronicles of Narnia. If you're familiar with that story, one of my favorite parts of that story is when Susan and Lucy are having a conversation about meeting Aslan. And they come to the realization that Aslan is not a man, but a lion. And so Susan says to some of the talking animals in the story, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, Susan says, oh, I thought Aslan would be a man. I had no idea he would be a lion. I am rather nervous about meeting a lion. And Mrs. Beaver says to Susan, and you should be nervous. Anyone who meets Aslan, their knees will be knocking. Or either, the, either they're braver than most or just plain silly. And then Lucy says, oh, but is he safe? And Mr. Beaver says, who said anything about safe? He is not safe, but he is good. You know what Jesus was telling the disciples? Jesus was telling the disciples, God is not safe at all. And every enemy that stands against you, no matter how great you may think they are in the moment, they are not anything as great as God. No matter how powerful your enemy may be that could destroy you, they are not as powerful as God. Nobody has the power that God has. Jesus is inviting his disciples to think about God and see their fears through the lens of who God is. It's like the sailor who is in his sailboat out on the ocean. He knows that the wind Filling his sails is the blessing that carries him to his destination. And so he longs for the wind to fill his sails. He wants to be caught up in the blessing of the wind to be carried to his destination. But not for one second does that sailor lose perspective on how he should respect the wind. Because he knows that very same wind could absolutely destroy him. Did you know in 1891, not long after FBG built its first building, the White House got electricity? And the president at the time, Benjamin Harrison and his wife Caroline, they were really freaked out by the electricity. And if it was bedtime and no one was around to turn the light switch off, they'd leave the lights on all night because they were scared to death of getting shocked. And so they wouldn't touch the switches. Now, should they have been scared to turn the switch on and off? No. But should they have been scared of taking a screwdriver and sticking it again into the light socket? Yes. In the same way a person goes and builds a campfire, that person who builds the campfire knows that that fire can provide them warmth and heat. But the person who builds a campfire also understands that that very same fire that is blessing them in that moment could rage and destroy an entire forest. 
We want to be caught up in the wind of God's blessing, carrying us to the destination for which he has determined. But not for one second should we miss out on the fact that God is awesome and greater than anything we fear. Jesus is inviting his disciples to fear God above all other fears. You see, when you fear God above all other fears, all other fears lose their substance. When you fear God above all other fears, all other fears make sense in the, in, in the sense that they're coming against us as we live on mission and all of the fears just kind of dissipate and all of a sudden we can follow Christ no matter what the obstacle, no matter what fear that we may feel in the moment because we know that no matter what we fear, God is greater and he can carry us along. He can bring warmth through our soul by whispering in our ear that he loves us. We can trust him in the face of every challenge because he is greater than all that stands against us. Fear God above all other fears. And Jesus helps us to understand what that fearing God above all other fears is supposed to be like. And he talks about God's care for us in the next few verses. Verse 29, aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus tells his followers, listen, whatever you're fearing that can destroy you, God can destroy you far more than that thing you fear. So fear God. Not in the sense of being afraid because, listen, God is not out to destroy you. Everything that is set against you, God is greater than. And let me tell you this, God is not set against you. If you've made a decision to trust in Jesus Christ as the risen Lord and Savior, then, then God wants you to know He cares about you. And Jesus describes God's care for you. He says, are you not worth more than many sparrows? He says, you take a couple of sparrows, they're worth about a penny. Worth about a penny. Have you thought lately about what a penny means to you? How many of you have seen a penny on the ground and thought to yourself, that penny's not clean enough for me to pick up, put in my pocket? Just walked right by it. How many of you take the pennies that end up in your pocket? And throw them in that little change bowl that's in the convenience store because you just don't want pennies in your pocket anymore. And you figure out, you figure your pennies would be a lot better with somebody else's. I mean, if I were to stand up here this morning before you and, and lift up a penny and say to you, hey, what would you be willing to do for one penny? I suspect that there wouldn't be anybody in this room to be willing to do much at all for one penny. Think about what God does for one penny. One penny. He says that two sparrows are worth about a penny. And Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6 that God orchestrates all of creation so that the birds of the air don't have to toil or spin 
for the food and shelter they need, that God has provided them everything they need. God has leveraged all of creation for a penny. You are worth much more than one penny. He cares for you. Jesus illustrates just how much God cares for you by saying he numbers the hairs on your head. It's easier for him with some than others, but he numbers the hairs of your head. Lindley and I, we love our three kids. And together, we have leveraged more of our life for those three human beings than any other human beings in our life. We love our children. But there was never a day in raising our kids that Lindley and I sat down and said to each other, you know, sweetheart, it's been a while since we've counted the hairs on our kids' heads. Why don't, why don't we tonight just sit down with the kids and let's just get a count where they're at right now with the number of hairs on their head. We've never thought that. You know why? Because the number of hairs on my kid's head is so insignificant to me, I could care less about that. And yet I care more for those three children. Lindley and I have leveraged more for those three children than anything else on the face of the planet. And we could care less about how many hairs they have on their head. You know what Jesus is saying to us? We cannot imagine the deep concern and care that God has for us. He cares so much for you that the most insignificant thing, the number of hairs on your head, he keeps a daily record of. He cares about every detail in your life. He knows where you live. He knows what you're facing. He knows what fears you're feeling. He knows exactly what's happening in you. He knows where you live. He knows exactly what you're facing. And he cares about every detail cares about you he cares about you so much that in whatever you're facing right now as you trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior God will by his spirit through his word whisper in your ear the words you need to hear so that you trust him and respond to his care by running to him that's how you fear God you fear God not by being afraid but by running to him. Do you know God has displayed his great care for you most significantly and prominently in the death of Jesus Christ? God so loved you that he gave his only son that if you would but believe in him, you would not perish for your sins, but instead you would receive the gift that is only suited for one who has the righteousness of Christ, the gift of eternal life. God so cares for you that he literally leveraged all of heaven and earth to rescue you from your sin. And the greatest response to who God is in fearing God, is running to God. Have you ever felt the feeling in your life of, man, I have not cared enough about God in my life for God to care about me? Why would I ever trust him? There's no way he cares about me. 
But here's what God did by sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross. By sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross, God displayed to you that His care was so great for you that if you did not pay Him any attention at all, you despised Him, you hated Him, you were an enemy of His, you ran away from Him, you didn't care. But the moment you decided because of Jesus Christ to turn back to God, God made a promise that if you turn back to Him, that the first experience you would have is not condemnation for how you ran away from Him, but welcome for running to Him and finding your sins have been forgiven. He cares about you. And He wants you to find Him so that you can follow Him and experience the whisper of His Spirit in your heart that He loves you. Because there are people all around you every single day right where you live who need to understand they have nothing more to fear. Jesus is alive. He cares. If you were to take me and you were to place me in a location with a whole lot of people, and the location was very unfamiliar to me, I didn't know anything about where I was, and I didn't know anybody who was there. If you placed me there and you told me you need to get from that place to this place, and I didn't know how to get there, I'd never been there before. If you placed me in that situation and you took my glasses away from me, it would be a little unsettling. I would be in that large space with a lot of people, and just like now, I could not see your faces. I couldn't tell who you were. I'd be squinting and wondering who people were. I'd be looking at signs and moving very slowly through the crowd trying to figure out where I was and how to get to where I was going. Can you imagine how unsettling that would be to not be able to see things clearly and to be in a new place with new people? It would make me move much slower through the environment, squinting as I went. And I suspect that people around me would be looking at me like, what's this guy's problem? But if in that same environment, that same circumstance, you gave me my glasses, even though I did not know anybody and the place was not familiar, I can promise you this, because I could see clearly everything would be different. I could find my way through the obstacles, the uncertainties, the sense of being alone, and the potential threats. Why? Because I could now see. Jesus tells us, don't be afraid. And he tells us the way that you can face the obstacle of fear is by seeing me for who I am, how much I care about you and love you. And that'll change the way you see everything else. A little boy was walking his new puppy along a little walkway next to a little river that had a had a bank there next to the walkway. And he's walking that little puppy along and he loses that leash and the little puppy falls into the little river bank there. It's a slow-moving, murky water and he can't really see into the water. And he's really nervous about it because he can't swim and his puppy's having trouble and he can't grab him. He starts to yell for help. The puppy starts to go down and up and down trying to, to drown there in the water. He's yelling out and a man comes over and jumps into the water to rescue that dog to only to discover that the water is knee deep. He reaches and grabs that little puppy out, and that little boy will never forget the lesson. Sometimes what we're afraid of is only this deep, but we don't know it because we can't see clearly. Knowing that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead means that we always can see clearly.
clearly. And all our fears are only this deep. Because Jesus Christ is alive, we don't have to be controlled by fear. Instead, we can leverage our lives for the mission and be the family of God that propels the next 50 years into a saturation of the gospel of Christ in Williamson County and beyond like we cannot imagine. That's the church family I'm so grateful to be a part of. No more fear.